You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, I'm Sean Tice. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. Uh, Excited about our guest today. I have Trey Burton with us today. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, bro. Excited to have you. We've we've, uh, kind of distantly, I've known of you for, for a long time. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Venice, Florida, Colonial Baptist Church. You were going to Venice High School, I believe, around that time. and uh, Or maybe you had just graduated or something like that. And just excited to be able to talk to you more about your story. So tell us just real quick about yourself. Um, well, currently I live in Tampa, Florida. Um, I got three kids. I've been married for just over 10 years. And um, yeah, man, just been busy with kids and running around and sports and school and all those types of things. So I uh, grew up down... And uh, in Venice, Florida, went to, you know, I guess, elementary, middle school and high school um, down there in one of the best cities in the great state of Florida. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, loved it and enjoyed, you know, having you down there. And thanks for taking care of my grandma when she was down there. Yeah, we loved your grandma. And she, she was awesome. She played the piano at the church. Uh, yeah, for she, years, she played the piano yeah. for years. Every church she went to, that's what she did. She sang every once in a while, but she was guaranteed to be on that piano. Yeah, she usually always always had a smile on her face. That's what I remember about about her. So, um, this now you played some football, right? Let's just go ahead and address that. You played some football. Will you tell us about your football career? I mean, know something called the Philly Special. That was something that happened. The Gators yeah, yeah. It was a game game with the Gators. I think was six or seven touchdowns. Which six, one was it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I graduated high school um, in t- twenty ten, and my first year at Florida, I graduated early, so I went. To, I got to Florida just as it turned to twenty ten. And um, played four years there. So 2014, I left and was undrafted um, free agent to the Philadelphia Eagles for four years. And then signed with Chicago and played there for two years and then played with Indy for one year. Um, I guess my last year would have been 21, I believe. So two years ago. Um, so I have uh, played in the NFL for seven years. And um, yeah, had Philly special. That was when we won the Super Bowl with, uh, the, with the Birds. And, um, and then, yeah, the other one you mentioned was six touchdowns was uh, it's a Florida record for in, six touchdowns in the game as a freshman. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and some crazy things happened while you were at the Philadelphia. Before we jump into talking about fatherlessness, there was some revival that went on there, right? I remember seeing things about people getting baptized in a hotel pole or something like that. Can you tell about that a little bit? Is that something you share? Yeah, man. Yeah, they. Uh, it was it was pretty special. You know, I don't know if it's ever really happened from in the magnitude that it did happen, you know, it was really cool to see the way that God placed certain individuals, um, you know, specifically like, you know, having your head coach as a believer and then offensive coordinator as a believer and start the starting quarterbacks, a believer and the backup quarterbacks, a believer. And so like the most important positions on each team uh, or on, on, in, on offense and defense side of the ball, you know, for the most part were, you know, guys who were on fire uh, for the Lord. And it wasn't like anything that we tried to do. You no, know, it was honestly all just like spirit led and, um, just, you know, started in a Bible study and then we started doing our own Bible studies, you know, in the mornings every single day. And, um, it was just really cool. A bunch of guys just saying yes, you know, to the way that direction that they felt like the Lord was pulling them and calling them to go. And, um, there was a lot of positive, um, faith interactions, you know, throughout those, I guess, two or three years when we were in Philadelphia, you know, just because a bunch of people just saying, yeah, to what the Lord wanted them to do. That's so awesome. And I followed your story um, a little bit through the different things you've posted. I saw even shared about your son getting baptized on Twitter and different things like that. And it's so wonderful how you're carrying that on. Now, just going back um, to your story, uh, you grew up, would you just share about your childhood and even touching on the issue of fatherlessness? Yeah, I grew up um, single, parent, single parent home. Uh, my mom raised, I have two younger brothers. Uh, one's 11 months younger and then one's six years younger. 
than I am. So all three of us, um, for the most part, uh, my mom remarried to my youngest brother's dad for two or three years, you know, in between. So um, I guess it wasn't like completely fatherless uh, for the whole entire time. But yeah, the screw up, you know, in a, um, I would imagine it's probably a typical fatherless home, you know, with not much direction. You know, mom tries to do as well as she can, you know, to make sure that there's food on the table and everybody's, you know, on the straight and narrow. But we were really fortunate to have a ton of help, you know, whether it was from her parents, you know, moved. Every time we moved, they were within, you know, 10, 15 minute drive of our house. They, you know, would cook dinner every once in a while, would bring us lunches for school, you know, those types of things. And I'm glad this really placed some really cool and timely and important pieces of uh, God, people, God, specifically God, people in our lives um, during those times, you know, of, of all three of us growing up um, together. Yeah. And that, and I remember being introduced um, kind of to you, not, not personally, but through a distance from your grandma. Um, I came to the church. This is back in like 2000, I'd say 2009. I wrote yeah. a, I wrote the rough cut of this book and I gave it out to a bunch of the kids that were at the church and I was sharing on fatherlessness. We started the ministry in 2008. And then this was the first thing that we really um, came out with. And you're, I think your grandma said, I have a grandsons that could use that. And I think she took this book and I think she gave it to you. And then I followed up with you a few years later. And you said, I, I used it. Can you tell about that a little bit? Yeah, it was, I definitely read through it. Um, I don't remember much of it. No offense, but I do remember the most important part was like the part that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And like at the very end, it just goes through the statistics, you know, of like um, the number of men who are in jail, the percentage, you know, is really high. I don't know exactly, you know, way better than I would, but I would imagine it's probably like in the 80% range of people who go to jail or who are in jail come from a fatherless home. Same with, you know, um, abortion, women who abort their children and um, education, you know, those, all these important factors for you know, these kids' lives. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't remember the exact specific percentage of it, but one thing I'll never forget at the very end of it, it said, don't just be another statistic. And like, I took that with me and I even like, not just about the fatherless deal, but like, you know, um, every opportunity I had in life, I didn't just want to be another statistic for, you know, what could possibly happen or what, you know, typically happens in those scenarios. And so, yeah, I'll I'll never forget that. I mean, I took that to heart um, for sure. Um, And obviously like, you know, you read the book, you don't, I don't want to go to jail, you know, and I know the odds are against my, my favor, you know, just what the percentages, but yeah, just, that don't be another statistic always and always will, you know, stick with me and in some of the ways I make some of the decisions I make and some of the choices that, you know, happen. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that. Cause that was some of my drive too is, and even to this day, I didn't want it to turn out like my dad did. And I didn't want to do to my kids uh, what my dad did to me was abandon us and walk away. And, and so that's why we started this ministry too, is to help others um, overcome that. So I, I appreciate you saying that because that is definitely something that's 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. And then another one's 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. There's a lot of anger there that, that, that yeah. fatherless individuals struggle with. Um, did you struggle with any anger things yourself? Yeah, I think mine was more like uncertainty, like not necessarily knowing why I'm in the situation that I was in, you know, maybe loneliness, you know, could be another word to throw out there. I don't necessarily think I was really angry. I think partially if I was angry, you know, football played a factor into that, you know, and so I would imagine like, you know, you have to have some type of aggression um, from that sense, but I don't know if I've experienced, you know, like the, I hate this or I hate you. Like I've never been that type of person. I've always been very like laid back and kind of chill and like letting things happen in front and very like mindful and thoughtful of, you know, certain things, but I would definitely like, you're just so confused, you know, when you're, especially when you're in elementary school or even younger than that, seeing all the other dads and parents around and um, just trying to figure out like why, 
where is my dad? Why would my dad not want to be there? And it's, I guess, true. I guess it even gets more confusing when you have kids, you know, now I got three kids. And I'm like, I can't even imagine, you know, not being there for them. It's not even really an option. So, um, but I, I was really thankful, man, for uh, the route that I had to go. Like, I, I don't think I would be anywhere of the man um, that I am today or the father or the husband that I am today if I, you know, had not necessarily like an easy path, but um, an easier path, you know, with uh, reliable, you know, parents from that standpoint. Now, your grandparents, let's t- touch on that for a minute. How did they impact your life? I mean, you said about meals and things. How else did they with your grand- grandma and grandfather? Yeah, I think for everybody, um, every kid growing up, every adult that's close to you in your life leaves some type of mark, whether it's good or bad. You know, I- I'm a big believer in that, not necessarily just because someone's a good guy doesn't mean he's going to be a good dad or someone's a you know, a good person that he's going to be, you know, he's going to give you the right advice or right decision. So like, I, they helped me a ton. Uh, they helped all three of my brother, well, all three of us a, a ton. Um, just, I would say for one instance, like faith from this, like seeing their faith and seeing like how committed and devoted they were to going to church, you know, what was it? Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, I guess is what you guys did at Colonial. Um, and like, I would always think like, man, that's crazy. They're spending so much freaking time at church. Like, why would anybody ever want to go to church those that many times in those many days? But then also just seeing like my grandfather's consistency when they were, when they were in Bradenton, he would, he would drive the bus and pick the kids up, you know, in the neighborhoods that the, the, their parents didn't want to come. And they would, he would make it fun for the kid, you know, and give them candy and stuff like that so that they'd want to come back on the bus and go to church. Um, and church was more of like a fun thing, but just, you know, how important it is to have kids in church, you know, from an early age or else, you know, they don't go back when they get a little older. So I think like their consistency, um, was awesome. And, um, just their faith, you know, was, was something that I'll never forget. And that's definitely something that has like a lasting impression on my life. Yeah. And you went to, um, was it first, first Baptist on the Island? You did. Yeah. How did that, how did that church impact your life too? I know you were pretty dedicated there, right? Yeah, the the church was awesome. I'm a huge fan of Pastor Tom. I think he does a phenomenal job. The I would say the biggest problem with First Baptist is it's like it's very everything in Venice is old in the sense of like age wise, you know. So like there's not as many fun things for kids and youth, you know, to do there. Yeah. Uh, but Pastor Tom has been a rock. He's always been a guy that's been involved um, in all of our lives. I would say at the time there's a guy named Rodney Ring, and he was oh. like a youth minister or youth youth pastor, whatever whatever you would like to call it. And I think he had by far the biggest impacts from a faith standpoint from on my life and just how he was able to pour into me and those types of things. But um, yeah, First Baptist of Venice is a great man. I try to go back, you know, whenever I'm back in town, and uh, Tom does a great job. That's awesome. I know Rodney. That that's really cool that you you said yeah. that about him. Now you, I used to I remember um, when I, you were playing with the Gators. I don't know if you did it so much when you, you were. Um, professional maybe you did but you used to say early in the morning time to make the donuts or you used, yeah. to, used to tweet that out or share that on facebook or whatever now tell us about your work ethic how did you get such a drive to work so hard i mean because a lot of times kids that grow up without a dad they don't have that drive they don't have that ability does somebody teach you that or is it something you just learned or man my grandpa would crush us dude every saturday bro killed me i was i would get so angry at him man every saturday you wash the cars okay whoever's at the house doesn't matter if they're relatives or not you're washing the cars and if it's like literally like a spot less than you know two inches an inch spot that we didn't we, somehow we missed all three of us were you know washing the cars together nope do it all over again so we had to wash the whole entire car and so obviously it doesn't take too many saturdays in a row to realize that like all right i'm not screwing around like i'm gonna make sure i get this done and knocked out pretty fast but then also like i knew uh probably I mean, from an early age i was pretty good at sports and i, I didn't want 
like I said, to be a statistic, I wanted to be a guy, you know, that saw everything through. I was always like big on like, um, first impression is really important, but then also like, if I'm going to play football and say, I don't, I'm not actually playing on the field. Like I'm not good enough to play. Like I'm not just going to quit. Like I'm going to work on myself and work on my game myself to the point where I know I can get out in the field and play. And so like, I was always the type of guy that I was good, but I was never like the best. And maybe that was probably because like at certain times, you know, you, you grow, grow more, you grow bigger than certain people. And, you know, kind of like you can't, you don't have all your motor function skills as well as all the other kids might have in your class. But like, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to put my best out there. I didn't want to have any regrets um, ever. And, you know, whatever happened after that, you know, kind of what happened. Yeah. And I know your grandfather, he, he, he had passed away eventually. Yeah. Um, did anybody else become your mentor after that? Did you have um, coaches or anybody that invested in you during that time? No. Uh, well, Rodney was definitely the number one from a spiritual standpoint. You know, I've always had uh, great men in my life, not necessarily like Christians, every single one of them, but like, I think the biggest thing by far with kids that don't have a dad are men that are consistent. It doesn't necessarily mean you're the best. doesn't necessarily mean you're, you know, the best person in the world, the smartest person, but like just someone that I can consistently count on to be there. Um, if I do need something, if I do need to talk to somebody, if I do have a problem, like just consistency. And so Rodney, um, when I got to high school, probably my sophomore, junior, senior year, every Wednesday um, throughout this, the school year, we would go to First Watch on the island. And it's not First Watch anymore, but it's like a diner, basically like a little, you know, small little breakfast spot. And uh, we would just, you know, go through the word and whether it's a chapter a day or whether he had something, you know, he wanted to share on his heart, but he kind of like taught me, um, you know, what is a Christian, you know, what do Christians believe? And then how do I, you know, continue to walk out my faith because I did, I did commit my life early on um, to Christ, but a lot of it, you know, as you're, as you're young, um, it's more about like your parents' faith and your parents' religion or whatever you would like to call it. And so um, I, I wanted to like have my own relationship with the Lord. And so um, that was one thing my grandparents did great was, you know, every, every Sunday we're at church, but it necessarily didn't, didn't necessarily feel like it was my own you know, relationship sometimes. And so Rodney did a phenomenal job of, you know, pouring into me. I've always had great coaches, like phenomenal coaches, you know, guys that um, I could really grow with and, um, you know, taught me a lot, good and bad, you know? And so um, I think that's like from a fatherless kid, the best thing you can do is take good and bad and realizing there's good and bad between everybody and kind of pull and make up your mind on what you want to you know, kind of live your life at. After. Yeah. Now that helped you keep grounded whenever you um, went professional and you had success. Did that help you having those roots that really help you with that or? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the, one of the stories I tell people all the time, like specifically, like when you talk about tithing, like tithing is really hard at first, like really, really hard, right? Like, how am I going to do this? How can I afford this? You know, but then I, then I, then I did that in college when I got first married my junior year in college, you know, so my wife and I didn't have any money and then shoot, we get to the NFL and now we have a crap ton of money. And you would think it'd be harder to tithe, but it wasn't because we already had those foundational aspects in place. And it was guaranteed like, boom, first 10 gone. Don't even, don't even count it. So like, yeah, it's like same with the roots with, you know, uh, Rodney and that my grand, grandfather taught me, like it was kind of hard to stray. Like I had to try to stray from those roots, you know, instead of it naturally happening. Now, when you were, when you were playing at UF, I remember there being uh, Urban Meyer exited. He brought you in right after Tim yeah. Tebow. What was that like? Was that, hard to navigate through did you struggle with that where you had the was it must champ came in um what was that like for you was it a struggle yeah you know it's actually funny because like that was 
one of the first times that I felt that like abandonment that I had felt with my dad, you know, because mm-hmm. Urban head coach like recruited me, had a great relationship, still have a you know a unbelievable relationship with him. I don't think it was necessarily the fact that he left. I think it was the fact that he went somewhere else, like within like six months later or however long it was. Was like, man, like, why does this happen? You know, like, why did like like important men in my life? Because now I'm out of high school now. I don't have you know my coaches anymore. I don't have. I didn't have my brother Clay. I didn't have Rodney. I didn't have any of that. You know, so I'm in a new territory by myself. And then boom, this dude who's supposed to be the guy, you know, leaves again. And so it kind of felt, kind of felt the abandonment, the loneliness. Um, all over again, but then, you know, I ended up having a great relationship with uh, Muschamp. And so, um, you know, you kind of just move on and go from there. Now you, you mentioned Clay and uh, being the oldest, you were the oldest uh, child. Did that impact you at all? Uh, I guess I know that sometimes that being the oldest and knowing you don't have a, a, a dad present, sometimes that affects you. Did that impact you whenever you were growing up or did you not really? Yeah. Like yeah. That? I mean, well, well, having a dad, not having a dad impacts everybody, you know, for one, yeah. but then the fact whether it's good or bad, but then the fact that like I was kind of the one that everybody would turn to when, you know, stuff hit the fan, you know, or like, Hey, what are we going to do? Cause my mom wasn't necessarily always the most stable person, you know, during our time growing up. And so like, it was always, you know, Hey Trey, what, what are we doing or how are we going to do this? Or what's the deal with all this? And so, um, it, which it's, I mean, at the time, whatever the situation, good or bad, doesn't matter, but it's helped me a lot now, you know, as I've gotten older, like I'm very like blunt and I'm very straightforward. And like I said, I think about things like if you ask me something, I'm going to think about it for a second and try to give you the best answer, you know, after that logically. Now, what would you say to somebody that's listening to this that is currently growing up fatherless? Um, just what would you tell them if you had a minute with them or two minutes, what would you say or a couple minutes? Just what would you say to somebody that is going through right now? Maybe they're in their teen, teen years or early college years. What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot based on the conversation and those type of things that I would always just hammer in the fact of like, you know, that you don't have to be another statistic. Here are the statistics. I mean, obviously, you don't want to go to jail. You don't want to have bad grades. You don't want to do, you know, this and that. So how do we, um, how do we proactively make the right choices, you know, to go down the path that you want to go on and like, let them know that you have, you have to make your own choices. Like no one else can make them for you and your choices have consequences, whether they're good choices or bad choices, there's going to be, you know, a counter effect to it. And so just kind of help them, you know, down that way and tell them to get connected some way, shape or form to somebody that they can trust and, um, you know, have someone they can talk to. Now in the NFL, they have, um, you know, I've seen, they have like different people that um, they were former players or they get assigned to help players out. Do they have anything for, I know there's a lot of guys in the NFL that grew up in a fatherless home. They grew up in different situations. Uh, what was that like being in that locker room or different locker rooms you're in? You know, I, for example, I've I've been a I grew up in Pennsylvania. I was a Steelers fan growing up. Antonio Brown, he kind of went um, off the you know kind of off the deep end or whatever happened there. But he grew up fatherless. He had a unique situation, story. He got money. Things happened. Um, any anything about that where you saw in the locker room where if they would have had some mentors or things like things like that would have helped them on their journey? Well, you you only get as much help as you know you want. So like, yeah, true. You don't want help. I, I, you can sit here and yell at me till you're blue in the face. You know, this is what I need to do. But if I don't think something's wrong or I don't want any help, then I'm not going to listen to you. You know, that's why I think it's like really important for um, like cool people, like people that have, you know, maybe like a celebrity status, you know, to come back and show people like, no, this is not the way to do things. Like it's actually cool to do the right thing and not, you know, if you listen to some of this, this crap music and stuff that they have going on right now, like everything is counter culture and, I, and i'm i'm cool i'm I'm really cool like going against the grain like i understand that like so some division at some point like that needs to happen but like 
like going to jail. There's nothing cool about that. You know, like those being, not being there for your own child, like not really much cool, you know, about addiction, drugs, all that. That's not, not really cool. So like, I, I really applaud the people that, you know, are cool that are celebrity and they try to act right. And like I said, not everybody's perfect and not everybody's going to do the right thing every single time, but like, you know, the, mo- the more good you can do, um, the better it is for the younger generation. So did anybody mentor you in the NFL? Was there anybody that they assign? I know like they said, they, they kind of guide different players with money and stuff like that. Does they have kind of a mentorship there? Yeah. The NFL is just a whole nother animal. Um, you know, there was a guy, uh, his name is Chris Maragos, who was, uh, he's actually a father of three. Like I was when I first got into the league, he was actually an undrafted guy. Like I was when I got into the league, um, he had just signed, he was a special teams player, like one of the best special teams players in the NFL. And, uh, he was just, you know, open heart, open mind, like just like a guy that with any questions I had from, you know, being, being a father, how do I navigate the NFL to, you know, taxes and, you know, how to tackle somebody like he literally had every aspect, you know, dialed in. And so, um, he was definitely a huge, uh, help for my family, um, and myself, you know, when I got to the league, but no, the, I mean, they, like I said, they can, they can appoint somebody for you as much as they want, you know, but if you don't show up to the meetings and they'll find you a little bit, but it's, if you don't want to do it, then it's not, you know, it doesn't really matter. Now you mentioned about being a dad and a husband. Um, you know, one of the questions that we get with our ministry is people say, well, I've never had a dad. So how do I be a dad? Um, mm-hmm. How do I be a good dad? How, how does that work for you? Have you, did you, what resources did you have? What, what things did you do to like me personally, I've pulled from a bunch of different people. I've learned from different individuals, uh, the things that I don't want to be as a dad, the things I do want to be as a dad, any, any things that you would tell other people like, Hey, this is how, you know, I was able to overcome fatherlessness and be a good dad myself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually a great question that people ask. I mean, first thing I would say is just because you don't have a dad doesn't give you an excuse to be a bad dad or to not be a dad or to not you know take care of the responsibility. Like you have responsibilities that, you know, need to be taken care of and need to be handled uh, that you created, not someone else created. So like you, it's your own problem, like in a good, good problem or bad problem, whatever situation you want to call it, it's your own responsibility. So like, that's not an excuse for you not to be there for your, your children. Um, but for me, I would say like, I just kind of curated it throughout the relationships I had, you know, I pulled some good things that my mom did and I pushed away some bad things, you know, and I tried to work on some bad things that I knew that were generational. Same with my dad. Like I knew he wasn't ever there. I didn't really know him that much at all, really like at all, but like, I didn't, I want to make sure that generational curse isn't passed on to my children and then for them to not pass on to their children. Um, but it, I don't know, it's hard, man. Like, you know how it is. Each kid is so unique, you know, and um, it's, I love them so much that like, I want to do everything I can to make sure I'm the best dad you know, possible to them. And so I've actually showed for me, it's been actually like a different technique compared to what I grew up with. Like I actually like love on them so much that when I am hard, which I am hard a lot often with them, like, cause I'm very blunt and like my wife's like, you can't talk to your daughters like that. And I'm like, no, like I'm going to tell them as it is, but they know that I love them so much. And like, you know, I'll hug them, cuddle them, kiss them, tickle them, like whatever, 90% of the time, but that I'm going to be honest with them and tell them the truth, you know? So I've just kind of pulled um, and saw other people, um, other kids that I grew up with, you know, I, I was at other kids' houses all the time. And um, especially because sports, you know, you travel a lot and my mom couldn't make every single game. And so um, just picked and, picked and choose what I liked. And it's weird because like sometimes it pops up, you know, like, oh, I didn't like when I did this or when I, I this was done to me. So like, don't do that to you your son, you know, and so just, you need, it's, it's unique for each kid, but it's also uh, something that, you know, grew as I uh, continue to get older as a dad. 
So what, what's going on with Trey Burton now? I mean, you're, you're, you're in the NFL, you're free agent now. Is that what's going on right now? Or yeah, I'm done though. I'm basically done for the most part. Yeah, I was okay. done about, about a few years ago. Yeah. So what, what's, what any plans? And then I know that you've, I've seen you maybe speak at some churches or different things like that. Any plans for ministry or coaching or what are you, what are you looking at now? Nope. No plans for ministry right now. Um, we're pretty heavily, we're on a couple boards. Uh, we're, you know, doing supplemental income thing. My wife's a realtor, so it's kind of her time to, to put in some work uh, from <laughs> the finance standpoint. And, uh, and so I'm just being a dad, man, just trying to figure out what I want to do next, what I want to get into, but I'm in, I'm not in any rush, you know, at the moment to, uh, hop into anything, you know, but just trying to see it all out. Enjoy been enjoying going to my kids sporting events and, um, you know, being there and helping, you know, wherever I can. And, um, I've been so go, go, go for, you know, 20 plus years in ball that I haven't had much time off. So it's been kind of fun to relax and, uh, kind of enjoy my family, enjoy my wife. And, uh, I always, I always joke, like I had to re- reintroduce myself to her, you know, when I got, when I retired, because we were, we weren't around often. I was always gone and, you know, playing and traveling and those types of things. So it's been fun to, you know, actually, you know, get up on a Tuesday morning and go for, you know, two hour walk with her and just spend time with her. So, um, it's been good. That's awesome. I love that perspective of it. I was actually at an event in December as a like a ministries like ours, different leaders for ministries. And Ben Roethlisberger was there. Um, oh, cool. And I, I've been a fan of his for a little bit. And uh, I was able to sit down or stand there and talk to him a little bit. And he was saying that he just has been taking the time, just enjoying retirement, spending time with his kids. And so I think it's a common trend for guys that are family oriented that they want to just spend some time with their family now because you've been working so hard for for so many years so i think it's really cool that you're you're doing that um and it's that's inspiring it really is and even if you're you know you're a guy that didn't play in the nfl i want to encourage you spend time with your kids take that 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 weekend off you know spend time playing with them and or at nighttime after work spend time with them that's that's such a great great advice we get so many people that um contact our ministry and they say well i have a dad i had a dad growing up but he wasn't there and so just encouraging people that are listening to this. If you're like that, be, be involved, change it around, you know, be involved in your kids' lives on the weeknights during the weekend, um, encourage them, be involved in their life to help them as they're going through that. Now we got to wrap up here in just a little bit. Um, but just want to just give you an opportunity to talk about anything else that you've seen in the trends of fodlessness with, um, being in the NFL with other players, anything else that you've, you've seen that you're just, you just want to share. Um, well, I, I kind of want to, go back to what you were just talking about, like about dads being there for their kids. Like it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I was at, God, we were at football or maybe baseball. And like one of the coaches came up and was like, man, thanks for being here. And I was like, uh, my son's practicing. He's like, dude, you have no clue. Like how many dads don't come to their sporting events. And I'm like, wow, that kind of broke my heart, you know, at the time, like, and I understand like people are busy, but like the time I get to go spend and, throw, you know, a hundred balls, my son in the batting cage. Like those are some of the best times that we've had. And he asked me all the time, like, and I know he enjoys it. Like the time we go and spend on the weekend where it might just be him and I, or I intentionally, you know, once a month have a date night with each one of my kids, whether we go to cheesecake factory or whether we go get ice cream, like whatever, but they need to have their own individual time. And I think that's you know extremely important to have their own relationship. Like when my, when I ask my baby a question and my oldest answers, like, no, like that's not, that's not your responsibility. It's, you know, I want the baby to talk and be able to talk for herself. So like, there's a lot of things that um, we've seen that we've implemented, you know, with our kids, but I think it's super important for that specifically dads, like obviously moms, you know, are there and they're the rock for the most, most of families, but like dads to be there, be present. Don't just sit down on your phone. Don't be the dad that comes home and here and sits down in his chair every single night and, you know, watches 
CNN or Fox News or whatever sporting event. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, like invite your child, you know, to be there and like teach them the sport, teach them what's going on. Um, but we, I think we do need to spend a lot more intentional time with our children because they they crave that. That's something that they want and they need, um, and it helps with their development a ton. That's so good, man. I thank you for sharing that. That that's such great information um, to inspire dads because it's so challenging, isn't it, to be to be a dad? I mean. Um, but to be creative and saying, I love how you said you spend, you know, once a month you go on a date with your kids and, and, just, and it's just so simple times too. Like going to the batting cage, it's just, it's such a simple thing, but you're minutes, taking time to do that. 30 minutes. Your arm might be sore the next day, but dude, get out there and, you know, throw the ball, play catch. Like there's so many kids now that don't even know how to play catch. Well, football, baseball, whatever it is like, man, go spend some time with your child. It doesn't have to be, you know, every single day, man, but they're going to want to do it every single day when they experience and see how much fun it is. And it doesn't have to be sports, you know, go, uh, go code, you know, go to a coding class with your child. Like, there's so many cool things that you're able to do a bounce house, like whatever it is, man, just go spend time with your child. And I guarantee you, they're going to want to do that, you know, every single day for the rest of the month, you know, until you tell them like, I can't, I can't do it every day. I got to work, but I just think it's so it's crucial. And it's so important. That's so good. Now, this is coming from the heart of not having, you know, your birth father there, probably from when you were younger. Just real quick, I just want to ask you, with your birth father, did you ever have ever have a relationship with him? Did it ever happen? Or did you try? Or did he try? Or So my dad left when I was like two weeks old. Um, and this is a story that I got from my mom. So I never really like, you know, asked him, like, what's going on? Like, why'd you leave? He left when I was like two weeks old. Um, and then um, he came back when I was probably, well, he tried to come back when I was like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. And I want to say he was, he was around for maybe six months. And so like every Wednesday, my brother and I, because my brother Clay and I have the same dad, my brother and Clay and I would go see him at his apartment after school. You know, he, we have dinner with him and then he'd bring us back. And one of the Wednesdays we went, like there was nobody in the apartment, like everything was gone, like cleaned out. And, um, we were like, what the heck? And my mom was like, I don't know, I don't know, this and that. And so that was Wednesday. On Saturday, my brother and I go to the gym. We're playing basketball at the YMCA. And he's in there working out, like like pumping iron. And like we see him through the glass. Like he's standing there watching us play basketball. And then disappeared. Never saw him again after that. So I was probably like 10, 11, 12. And I, I know for sure I've seen him in at sporting events, um, like in the stands, in the distance, like specifically when I was in high school. Cause you can see the people, you know, in the stands way better than you can when you're in college or the NFL, but I'm sure he's been around, you know, and he, we hear stories that he's been around, you know, watching, but no communication since 10, 11, 12. Isn't it crazy when that they, they just don't try as my dad did the same thing. And then sometimes you hear these inspiring stories where, you know, like show me the father where the, did you see that movie? Uh, show me the father by the country brothers. No. It's a story of a former, uh, I think, an NFL running back and his coach was actually his dad. He didn't even know about it. It's just a crazy story uh, by the Kendrick brothers. And I see that and I'm like, man, then they got to have a relationship at the end of the movie. They're, they're hanging out together. And I'm like, I never got to have that. It's kind of like a, like a little bit of a hole in my heart. Like it never, it never happened. Yeah. I mean, I met my dad a few times and I saw him uh, about a year or so before he died, but he never wanted a relationship. And it's such a, such a weird thing to have, but it's really where we have to just embrace God as our Heavenly Father. Don't you agree with that? I mean, yeah, no, 100%, for sure. You gotta walk in that. You pray people in your life that can, you know, sow into you. Yeah, and you have to overcome it. And it's only through God that we're able to do that. I think you've shared that today, how you were able to overcome your situation through God as your Heavenly Father. And same here with me. Yeah, no question. Now, Trey, just, we're going to wrap up. I just want to give you an opportunity to share where they can uh, follow you, anything, anything else you want to share, like links or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have much. I, I guess it would be uh, Trey, T-R-E-Y, Burton8. And then it's on Instagram, Twitter. I'm not on Instagram much. I'm on Twitter you know, often. But other than that, that's where I'm at. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on with us today. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, brother. Talk to you soon. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.